This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing. This is the show for Monday, October 3rd, uh, recorded show this week, reaching the end of the uh, Nine Bass Master Open Tournament Series. I am uh, currently practicing on Lake Hartwell post-tropical uh, depression, which as a recording, this is uh, barreling towards the coast of uh, Florida and then should dissipate. So be interesting to see what that does. Hopefully nothing uh crazy on florida they've been through it before but it not a good deal every time it comes through but uh wanted to get a very timely show in uh for this event and one of the things that we've seen over the past uh well the past decade or so is a number of uh professional anglers that give back through uh youth tournaments uh high school tournaments uh college events things like that i know jacob wheeler does a thing like that uh bobby lane uh chris lane uh have things on gunnersville christy has fishing days uh in oklahoma where they take the youth fishing and uh as a uh guy i guess i'm an industry veteran now since i've been in it since 2007 which is hard to believe but i uh i got my my introduction to uh to tournament fishing and to the industry through a youth program with bass through the casting kids program and at the state level way back in the late 90s they had a youth tournament uh that 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 uh, boat captains volunteered for and i actually drew out with a guy named bob evans i've told this story before but yes bob evans like the restaurant and i believe he even made the red man all american and was sponsored by bob evans which is a story unto itself well anyway i was 13 and never fished a tournament i remember i went out i was throwing a a uh, palmy which is like a spinnerbait buzzbait deal in my first tournament ever with gorilla braid on a browning vectra and caught my first tournament bass but anyway i was hooked after that that was a youth program a youth tournament um that changed the course of my career most days I feel like for the better. Some days I question uh, if maybe a business degree in a nine to five would have been the safer route. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but our guest today, we had him on earlier this year after he uh, after he he had his first big uh, W uh, in Louisiana to kick things off in February, and that would be a guy who's been well. You've been around. He's been around for a long time too, and that would be. Uh, Bradley Roy, who also got his start in the youth programs. I love those photos of you standing up on stage as a young kid, holding it up, winning national championships and trophies and taking it. So Bradley is in route. I'm not even sure where he's in route to, but uh, was uh, kind enough to uh, pull over in a safe and secure location with good internet. Bradley, 
I don't know how much you heard of that opening, but thank you very much for jumping on uh, BTL to kick things off for the show in October. Yeah, good to be here, man. It's always always good to be on Bass Talk Live. It's crazy how you look back on uh, on things that happen as a, a kid, as a youth, and how influential it is then to the, the path of your career. I'm sure when you started with was it the junior bass masters or the youth program that you had no idea how influential that would be in the path of your entire life is that a fair statement yeah absolutely and you know you had mentioned uh, casting kids man and i always look back and think on the you know the times that i fished junior stuff and um and all that but i forget about casting kids man that's really kind of how i started I, i remember you know, making it to like the state level, maybe even the national level on that. I don't remember how far, but I can remember going and competing and casting kids, you know, just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. But, um, it was a, it was a way to get people or young people into fishing, you know, uh, it was kind of like the gateway drug, I guess you would say or something, but (laughs) in there, you know, but it's just funny to hear that coming from you. I don't tell that story a lot, but it, it was, it happened to other people, you know, I mean, and look at us now. I mean, we've taken two different paths in the industry, um, so to speak, but we're all, we're both in the industry basically because of some of those programs. It is. And I'm sure it's like that in other, you know, in other arenas and other sports, but like, you know, my parents, uh, my parents both fished. Uh, they actually went like to Canada on their honeymoon 30, you know, 40 golly yeah times fly for over 45 years ago but uh you know we're talking like trolling for walleye or a k&e pre-rigged worm under a cork there was no bass fishing involved so my first foray into that and i was a com- super competitive kid played three sports was once i saw you know once i caught that first fish in that tournament like i was hooked and that was strictly a result of volunteers putting together an event uh a volunteer taking some kid that he didn't know out in the boat, spending his time, effort, and money, and making that impact. And for a percentage of kids, yeah, they go out and they have a good time and they move on to other things. But uh, it's that small percentage that you make the difference and it just it just clicks with. And I think there's a lot of professional anglers who have, uh, or people in the industry, who have that similar story. It's interesting all the different paths you take, but uh, it's, it's crazy how impressionable the youth is in certain things that I vividly, like I said, that fish hitting that, that, palmy spinnerbait on the browning i mean i remember all that and that was 1998 do you have memories like that like i mean what what are your what's like this sticks out to you as far as your youth memories you know when you were talking about that this is just one of many but i can remember uh we had a pond in my backyard which obviously you know led to a lot of learning and stuff for me as far as a bass fisherman but i can remember the first time i ever had well, two baits, an AC Shiner, uh, a lot of people know what that is, and then a Shad Rat. I remember I, we stopped at the Sporting Goods store on the way home. I went in, I think I was with Mom or something. I ran in there, and she gave me enough money to buy a Shad Rat. I ran, it was in the middle of the summer, and I ran home with a Shad Rat, just the old natural-colored Shad Rat, threw it out in the pond, and I remember catching fish on that. Like uh, Dad had an old quantum reel and just like a six-foot rod he had given me a bait caster. But I remember how fish reacted to that Shad Rat and how they just – like I thought it was the best bait ever. And I can vividly remember like a three pounder coming up and just looking at it. And this three pounder was just like right in front of me and just swallow, you know, just all those memories. Uh, it's just funny how after all the fish I've caught since then, that, that stuff gets ingrained in your, in your mind. Uh, 
it's almost like a drug, you know, and you're like, you're chasing yeah. that high and trying to get back to that. Yeah. I, I, I was, when you were talking about it, I'm just running through all those memories in my brain. too. Okay. So here was my deal. You mentioned the AC shiner. So here was my deal with the AC shiner. So I did the, like I said, the K and E pre, you've ever seen those K and E pre-rigged worms. They come in the pack. They've got the three little gold hooks and then the leader that you tie on. And then as you reel them, they slowly spin. Basically, it was like a Cinco back in the day. My dad would tie it on a weighted bobber, like just an orange weighted bobber. We'd go down to Rock Springs, cast that thing out on the one point, and just slowly reel it in on an old uh, Mitchell Mitchell spinning reel uh, and catch that. But you mentioned the AC Shiner. So I, I grew up, when we went to Canada from young, I was a big G11 fan, the Rappel G11. And the AC Shiner, I could never get my head around because it's got that hump at the top of it and the raffle is more streamlined and I could never bring myself to throw the AC shiner because I, I just didn't like the way the hump looked like on the top of that AC shiner, as opposed to how streamlined the G 11 is. Yeah. 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 It was, I mean, honestly, I think back often I'm like, why do I not throw some of those baits, man? Like they were so good. Uh, they've just kind of gotten forgotten, but they were awesome. I mean, isn't that basically like a, like a redfin now or a wake bait? I mean, it. Yeah, I think the like the way I fish the AC Shiner and some of those, you know, even Rapala made obviously a good float and jerk bait mm-hmm. stuff. Like, you know, you get it over top of beds or get it over top, you know, jerk it down, let it float back up. Um, just kind of ended up being a niche little deal. Um, but I know the guys in Florida probably still throw it a lot. And um, we just probably got better stuff. But I mean, I know they'd still eat it. The three bait, okay, three baits. Hear me out on this. That still smoke fish, but are not used widely in the tournament scene. The MEP spinner or a Panther Martin spinner in like a number three size. That thing. I mean, dude, when I was younger, I just had a tackle box full of those gold. Was not a big fan of the bucktail on the back. I like the one that had the minnow with the treble hook in the tail with that blue minnow on it. You know what I'm talking about? That one always seemed to crush. The Rebel Craw. Yes. And and I I was I was either the chartreuse with the orange belly or the natural craw, depending yeah. on which one. Uh, and the and that Rapala G nine or G eleven, like those are three baits that I think still a lot of recreational anglers who have never even considered fishing a tournament, but those are like staples in the tackle box that catch fish north, south, east, and west. I can't. I mean. I'm trying to think of a tournament where any of those played. Like Ike always talks about the panic box with the maps in it or or that. But as a whole, I feel like those are three very productive baits that just aren't in many guys' tournament arsenals anymore. They're they're probably not. I mean, some of those older probably keep them a little more than some other guys. But I mean, it, for me, it kind of gets to the point where you got so much, you just don't know what you know. Eventually, you kind of got to weed something out. But I'm not thinking about that all the time. I, when I was growing up, I caught a pile of fish on a rooster tail. I mean, it's like, you you could throw a rooster tail in any body of water in the United States and catch a bass. And I'm like, how come I've never thrown one of those? You know, like, I've never even considered it, you know. But I don't know. Maybe we should start that. Maybe this is, maybe maybe that brings us back to that. All right. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take our quick break in the first segment. When we come back, we talked about the youth uh, and, and how influential it was uh, in, a, in a number of anglers' uh, careers, yours included. Uh, and you are coming up on the 10th annual Bradley Roy uh, Open, and it's for high school youth, correct? Correct. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that. It takes place at the end of this weekend, I think, what, October 7th, 8th, 9th, somewhere around there? 
Mr. Nathanot. All right. It is uh, BTL on a Monday with uh, BPT champion. Still, I mean, it happened in February, but it's still BPT champion this year. Bradley Roy, over $120,000 in earnings. Probably a disappointing end of the year. Uh, not being able to, I don't think he slid into to Redcrest this year. It wasn't a win and you're in in the first one, was it? No, it wasn't. Okay. But still, 120 k You got the hardware there. We'll be back with Bradley Roy right after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS. Now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99. And we'll throw in a CMAP reveal chart. Our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar, from chirp, side-scan, and down-scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and CMAP reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat, humidity, or anything else get in the way of a payday. I wear APCO. Any fish, any water. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Get that beast right there. All right, welcome back. It is a Monday recorded show. Like I said, I'm Curly on Hartwell. Thank goodness, no longer the Red River. I've put the uh, frogs and slop rods and 76 heavy action stuff back and most likely, I'm drop shotting or throwing something chrome. That's not a bad idea for blueback herring lake, is it, Bradley? Or maybe something clear. Yeah, something clear. Clear is overlooked too. If we're just going to continue down the path of baits, I got a buddy. I got a buddy who, dude, he is a clear spook guy. Doesn't really matter the watercolor or anything. He throws a, a clear spook with some rattles in it and. He catches them on it when other guys are not on a topwater bite. That clear bait's overlooked, isn't it? It's super overlooked. I remember a tournament on Chatoog where there was a herring bite, and it was super pressured lake, super small, and the only thing I could get them to completely commit to was a clear one. That was the only thing. It was awesome. Because they, they can't see it? Man, I just I think sometimes if you give, especially pressure fish, if you kind of let them make it up in their mind what it is, like if you give them the right profile, maybe the right action, and then just let them make the rest of it up in their mind, I think it's a lot better than actually just showing them exactly what it is. Topwater baits, more important for you, profile or color? 
probably color on top water. You know, I mean, really? either, I mean, it's just, but most of those top waters are pretty much the same profile. I would yeah. go action before I would go pro. I would go action color profile. But that, that's Act- kind of, that's a loaded question. It is be- because, like, so I'm like I said, I'm at a place called Hartwell. Tournament starts on uh, Thursday. We're recording this before official practice starts, obviously. Uh, but it, those lakes, especially the clear, you mentioned Chatug. I think I've covered a college event on Chatug and seen some things that have gone down on that. It's almost like those fish know the game. Like you're playing a game against those fish. Like they know whether it's real or not. And you have to. The only way you can get them to bite is if they're fired up and you get the bait between what they're chasing and them. Yes. But it's like they've been there and they've done that. It's really weird. It's not like a Grand Lake to me. It seems like Grand Lake's like do do boosh. And if they're there, they're like, dude, that was going to eat whatever the heck came past it on top. But those lakes where they're chasing and they see it, I mean, I might be giving them too much credit. But it's like they sit there and they go, yeah, something's not right about that. I mean, would you agree on that? Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Especially the herring chasers. Like, if I've learned, too, like if you slow herring stuff down, they a lot of times they'll lose interest in it. Uh, the best case scenario is either A, get it between them and what they want to eat, or B, if there's two or three of them and they kind of get a little competitive, um, I think you can get away with some more stuff. But if you've got one big old single fish and you call him out of nowhere, if it ain't just perfect and he comes up there, he's going to stop right before he gets it and he's going to look and your chances uh, diminish greatly um, really quick. Yeah, I mean, to me, if the the deal is if you can get a little wolf pack of them and they kind of get competitive mm-hmm. with, the, with each other and one of them is going to get it. All right, circling back to the beginning of the show, 10th annual Bradley Roy High School Open taking place this weekend. Did you ever think when you started this thing that a decade later you would still be rolling strong? No, but I mean, you know, when you start something like that, you don't know how it's going to go. I mean, uh, I looked at it at the time as an opportunity to, you know, give back as an opportunity to kind of do something fun. Uh, We were, you know, at that time, heck, we did a paper tournament. I think the first one uh, on a lake that you couldn't keep fish and uh, just trying to create a good you know venue or a good event for some high school anglers do something good where my sponsors could get involved um but it, it's certainly grown in 10 years to something that's really fun to do and i'm almost kind of to the point where i'm like man i don't really know what to you know i'm trying to come up with ideas to kind of keep you know pushing the envelope a little bit um so i'm, I'm excited about it this is the 10th one and it's fun Talk a little bit about the details, where, when, how, what the format is. I know you've got one of the, you have have in the past done some of the more unique formats. Didn't you go to like the Catchway Release MLF format a couple years ago? Yeah, so I'll make a long story as short as possible. One of the things I did not see coming, um, we give away cash in hand scholarship money. You know, I try to give away a bunch of prizes that my sponsorship, you know, or my sponsors uh, give away and, uh, Covercraft's been a, uh, a big partner with, you know, giving away the cash in hand sponsorship or scholarships and all that good stuff. So anyway, but one thing I didn't see coming was the colleges and universities um, in the area and really from different states started to see this tournament as a good recruiting tool. Um, uh. And the reason they did that, and so what they'll do is like the top finishers, they'll offer those top finishers a, a scholarship if they come. So obviously it's not in their hand, but if they do commit to that school, they'll get, you know, possibly a lot of money, but where that came from, I ran my, on the first day, there'll be anywhere from 150 to 200 boats. We go on Lake Cumberland. It's a traditional five fish limit format. And 
we, you know, everybody goes out. It's usually could be good fishing, but a lot of times it's tough fall fishing. But there is some fish caught. Uh, we take the top five, and on day two, I get a hotel for everybody that night. Day two, they stay there at Lake Cumberland. I take them somewhere the next day, the top five. They have no idea where they're going, and we fish a major league fishing cup style format. Uh, I put an official, an official in every boat. We do a score tracker cover at Facebook Live. But what these college coaches have figured out is if these teams survive those two days, they're probably really good You know at what they do. They're a decent angler. And I think a lot of these college coaches, university coaches of the fishing teams, we're not getting good anglers. You know, they're going out seeing these these anglers maybe do good in one event, you know, but in one event, your dad could put you on them or somebody else could put you on them, and they right. would go give these kids a scholarship. The next thing they know, they get them on their team. They've invested a lot of money and time into them, and maybe they're not what they thought they were. So they are reaching and looking for these really good um, ways to vet, um, you know, these these anglers. And they I, some of them in this, that area have looked at this tournament as – Man, if they can survive a tough Lake Cumberland and then a lake they've never been to and adjust really quickly and win, they're probably probably decent at finding fish on their own. What's crazy, you mentioned that about the uh, recruiting and, uh, you know, Mark Jeffries, who was with the show for 18 years, I took over with him this year. He just started a uh, college bowling program at Southern Nazarene University. You could actually just, like, Google in SNU bowling, and there's, like, all sorts of very Jeffries-esque like videos like like NSU bowling the time is now possibly you and lightning bolts and crimson storm anyway um I had talked about uh in a previous show about uh the recruiting process and I don't really know anything uh about this but a BTL listener sent this to me uh and he's like dude he's like this is this is here like this is now in high school fishing for the college recruiting and we've seen you know what Bethel has been able to do uh, and McKendry, uh, as far as like recruiting Dallas Baptist, I don't know if they're still big. They were huge back a couple years ago. Uh, and some of these schools, uh, Tarleton state, like it's crazy, but I say that to say <laughs> this guy sent me this link and I guess I don't know anything about these guys, but I think it's noteworthy is NSR fishing. There's like a whole landing page. It says recruiting has come to bass fishing. National scouting report has moved into the world of bass fishing. Over 40 years, it's helped athletes from around the world live out their dreams to play collegiate athletics. Now, NSR is assisting high school anglers that want the opportunity to fish in college. The time is finally right. We have a strong patch of return of fishing. We've been patiently waiting the last few years. With the explosion in high school and collegiate fishing, now is time for the NSR to help these fishing recruits. And it's like a whole website login deal for recruiting for college fishing. I think back to 2007 when uh, Chip Porsche, former Elite Series angler, now works for Dynamic up at. He's another guy who got in through the, the youth programs through Fishing Pals uh, yep. with his dad there in, in Oklahoma. Uh, sent me a message because Facebook was collegiate. You had to be in college to be on Facebook. He's like, hey, I see you like FLW fishing and the Bass Masters under your TV programs. You want to start a bass club? And I was like, heck yeah, I'm in. But now it's just progressed so crazy over the years. It, it really has, um, you know, and I feel like, I feel like we're pretty, pretty much in a good spot with the sport as far as high school fishing and, you know, collegiate fishing. I feel like it's, uh, it's always good to get new people into it. Um, but one thing I will mention, uh, that I feel like is probably the biggest weakness in this, this whole deal. And it's something that I think everybody should be aware of. You mentioned earlier that 
one of the things that got you into it and you understood was that those programs were all done by volunteers. All right. And so these high school fishing teams are all dependent upon, obviously the school has something to do with it, but it depends on a good coach and boat captains getting involved because the one thing about our sport is you got to have a boat captain at that level. Number one, number two, you got to have a good coach. And I've seen this over and over again. Oftentimes what happens is if you get a kid in there that's got a good father, like let's say myself or something that was in high school, you know, my father probably would have been loved to have been a coach. Well, he'll get in there and coach the team for four years. Well, when I graduate, a lot of times that he'll step down. Uh, and oftentimes there's nobody to replace him. Mm-hmm. We need more, like you need good coaches to step in. And oftentimes I think it needs to be ones that aren't parents because those will tend to stick around a little further uh, I know of a couple good ones around me. One of them steps in and is official for me all the time in my tournament. But that in the areas I see that are lacking, that is what's that's what's missing. And then the, the teams that I see are the strongest. They have good parents, good boat captains, and they have a good coach. And that is the biggest weakness that I see in in that high school slash you know college level. Do you think at that high school level, obviously, if you're recruiting there's a couple i mean it's like that in any sport you got a couple of parents that are out for blood and their kid's going to be the next Derek jeter lebron james you know peyton manning or kevin van damme but as a whole i feel like 99 percent of them are out there for the good and a lot of times they just don't know do you think that the onus should be on bass and and uh mlf to possibly provide some sort of coaching or training for these high school and not not college but junior and high school coaches to where they can go in and say hey here are important fundamentals here's here's bradley roy talking to you about what's important here's jacob wheeler talking to you here's here's uh jordan lee talking to you brandon polinick about these are the fundamentals this is kind of how you coach it i mean there's curriculums and playbooks and coaching books and tons of resources for all the major stick and ball sports but i think it's kind of haphazard and efficient you think that would be beneficial to have a two or three day seminar program where they can get a game plan together tailored to their high school and their youth anglers to benefit them i definitely think it would be helpful and and one of the reasons you know, and everything there has to be balanced. So you talk yeah. about you know, all these, a lot of times parents get involved, and, and I, I'll be the, probably be the same way with my son one day. But you want, <laughs> you want your kid to be the best, and you want to. Yep. You know, a lot of times, like I even see my son now; he's like four, 13, 14 months old, and like he, you know, do something. And I just want to go do it for him. But really, the way for him to learn the best is for him to figure it out on his own, and me to help him through it. So there has to be a balance. Obviously, you have to kind of help get your kids on fish and do it. But oftentimes, what we see. And I guarantee you, college coaches would jump on here and back me up a thousand percent. What happens is the parents put a lot of these kids on fish in high school and they look like super anglers. And then what happens is they get to college and it's like a totally different level. And you run into a Jordan Lee and a Matt Lee in the same daggone boat and they can find fish on their own. And, and you can't, you know, and it's just like you got fed to the wolves. But what happened, your parents didn't know, but they actually did you a disservice because they didn't let you learn how to find fish on your own. So, one of the things that could be taught is learn a balance, learn to show them what they need to, but learn to let them do it on their own, learn boat position, finding fish, taking care of the fish, try to let them. And we encourage them in my tournament to do everything. Let the, let the high school students do everything on their own that they can as much as possible, because that's really the only way 
as I look back, especially with my dad, I mean, my dad was letting me, you know, everything that he could do safely, let me load the boat on the trailer, let me run the trolling motor a super early age. All of that stuff helped me so much um, because it just accelerated. And I, once I got to a higher level, I didn't feel like I was, you know, out on my own so bad. Mm-hmm. I kind of had an idea. That would be my, you know, one of my biggest things that I would try to encourage those coaches and parents. It's a slow process in fishing too. And it's not like a baseball deal where you, you know, you go to the cage for a month and you, you work on it and then boom, you see immediate results. Like it takes time to marinate and develop in, in bass fishing. Yeah. You can see improvements in mechanics, you know, with practicing flipping pitching, but there's so many variables that really you have to let it kind of evolve organically over time. And then it just, all of a sudden you have a well-rounded uh, angler and obviously we're still you still learn every day you're on the water every single angler still learns every day they're on the water but there's that base level of knowledge that you cannot learn overnight you can't learn it from the youtube videos you can't learn it from fishing tournaments you have to learn it by making your own decisions practicing productively and building day to day on the water learning from both positive and negative experiences I would, I would agree with that a thousand percent. It's just going to take time. And, and these students and myself, you, every bass fisherman has to have the right mi- mindset. Our sport is unique in that we're going to lose way more than we win. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you just have to kind of get that, you know, we, we live in an instant gratification world and you kind of have to get that idea in your head that if I'm going to be, you know, the next Jordan Lee or, or whoever, or Jacob Wheeler or whatever, I've got to kind of do it right at the foundation. There's no, there's not really any shortcuts. Uh, you might make it look like there's a shortcut at the beginning, but you know that'll kind of fall apart as you go along. So, um, I definitely think doing it the right way and building that foundation is important. All right, uh, details on it. Is it still can guys can high school anglers still get into your event, uh, even yeah. though it's coming up in a couple of days? Or what are I'm, the logistics on that? Till Wednesday the fifth, can you you can sign up? And where where would they go to sign up for that? Uh, on my uh, on my website, uh, most of the uh, I think on my website you can do it. You can get a hold of me. Send me a send me a message on my website. We don't know how. Uh, BradleyRoy.com. Yeah, Anglers Outpost and Marine. There'll be somebody there that can help you, or the Kentucky Bass Nation can help uh, get some people set up on that side of it too. Um, most of the coaches usually know, but if they don't, they can they can find somebody to. Get them well, set you up. got the twenty twenty one on this one. Yeah, on your website. Might not updated that part of it, but yeah, they they can find it. I mean, if you know, there's a way to get a hold of us. They usually you usually shoot me a, a message on there, and I can send them the link. Okay. Yep. Uh, you look forward to this every year now, or is it a little bit stressful thing? It sounds like you mean you get ten years under your belt, but I also know like the other guys that I talk to, they're like, "Holy cow, it gets bigger and bigger every year," and I get more stressed out every year. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of work and. uh if anybody's never ran a bass tournament, be patient with the people that are running the bass tournament. There's a lot goes into running a bass tournament. Um, I have a lot of my family, wife, uh, volunteers. There's a lot of people that help. So it goes smooth, but, uh, it's an exciting thing for me, um, uh, you know, to, to run this because I enjoy seeing anglers compete. I enjoy seeing anglers. Uh, day two is really fun, man. Like day two is super fun. Cause I love taking them somewhere. Like I, I've thought of a thousand places to take them. I think I've got a place to take them on day two that nobody's going to expect this year. Um, so I hope I'm right, and I hope you know we can catch some fish where we're going. But I do not think anybody is going to expect where we're going. 
That's awesome. And then the cool thing also is, you know, we're to a we're to a a point in the history of this sport where, without a doubt, multiple anglers that are fishing this event, you'll be competing against within five years at the top level, and you don't know which ones it is. Like, there's going to be a Bradley Roy in the field this year 100 percent, like no bones about it you'll be having to fish against these guys and then you'll be doing interviews in five years on btl talking about these young 20 something year old dudes who are coming up who are kicking everybody's butt oh yeah i mean that's and that that's what's part of what's so much fun to me is kind of watching that happen um that's why i put them through the ringer like on day two man we get in the boat we make them do it we got a, i got a microphone with like cover craft written on it, it looks all official we do the facebook live with <laughs> And I make them, you know, I make them talk about their day and how they've caught them. And uh, it's just, I make them do it just like I have to do it uh, on the Bass Pro Tour. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the Covercraft deal also. Go ahead and talk about the sponsors that are behind this event uh, that are donating to it, that are helping to make it possible. Yeah, absolutely. So Covercraft's been a big partner. Uh, and then basically anybody that is involved with me has helped out, you know, Mercury, Triton. Uh, Ark is going to give away some rods this year uh, and some baits to the winners. Uh, we get some local banks, farmers, uh, First Southern National Bank. I mean, neat trucking. I, I'm probably going to miss a bunch. Anglers at Post Marine is a big deal. Uh, DNL Tackle. I mean, all these guys have just sent so much, um, you know, to, to help out and um, just to give away. I try to give everybody a little, you know, a, a prize pack. I try to try to take care of everybody that way. Uh, solar battle sent some glasses i mean i run you can just basically look at my jersey and know exactly who's going to be on there so um just bass pro shops gonna send some gift cards this year we'll have all that fun stuff so it's gonna be good man we always have a fun time with it you have the seat covers on there i know jd sent out some stuff before to like media that's like hey if you want seat covers and then the other day i was detailing my truck and i was like this is disgusting. Who would want to sit in my passenger seat? Like after all the stuff that was st- stuck on there from traveling for the opens and stuff. Are those, those are covers behind you with the yeah. Bradley Roy logo. Yeah. That's the marathon seat covers. I put a little custom. Oh, that's big league right there. BR. Did you come up with that yourself or did you have like a graphics designer do that? Yeah. I had a sponsor back a few years ago that actually helped me with that. And then it kind of stuck with me. It's actually been really awesome. We put it all over everything. So. I like it. All right, let's take one more final break. When I come back, I want to get into uh, your season. You had a win, a first major win. I had you on immediately after the win. The season's over now. I want you to kind of look back at hindsight on how that win uh, impacted your season, didn't impact your season, sponsor response, fan response. I'm just curious, uh, now being in hindsight, what a win does uh, for an established professional angler to get that first big W. So if you're good for another segment, we're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back, Bradley Roy talking about his win uh, back in February. BTL. We'll be back right after this. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. 
And really the truth is it's in the details, the little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.excellentlures.com and check them out for yourself. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. The new Android series is the peak of the Denali lineup and offers the ultimate Denali experience. The Android series features 36-ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength. Each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy-touch, soft-feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com. Combining one of the most popular hook styles with Gamakatsu's beefier Superline offering, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The round bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Bend holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute, every day on the water, is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md
Welcome back, BTL. Talking with Bradley Roy about his 10th annual high school open on Cumberland, followed by the top five teams going to a mystery lake, correct? Yes, sir. To wrap things up in an MLF-style format, something those kids will never forget (laughs) for the rest of their life. That's cool. Um, Before the break, coming back, I wanted to talk about uh, your win in – Louisiana, one of the craziest events of the year that featured like really tough fishing and then like really giant fish, but not many giant fish. Uh, I think that final round, no one caught more than five fish, but your five went 26-2 and you outdistanced Alton Jones, Jordan Lee, Thrift, Sprague, Howell, Mark Daniels. There's a heck of a top 10 in there. But uh, I remember uh, reading what you what you talked about after the win about how it was a long time coming uh, and how many years it was and then having you on kind of right after and kind of digesting it. You've kind of had a whole season past it uh, as a professional, established professional angler. What what does that top tour level win mean to you now that you've had time to look at the trophy for six months? Yeah, um, for I mean, for me, I'll be honest, the win, I, I think for me mentally just, I, I would have thought probably I would have fished a little better after it, but I would say that it calmed me down. And, and it was more like I always felt like I needed that win. I always knew I was capable of winning. I'd been in position to win those tournaments. I'd honestly, you know, maybe seen fish come off or had been in the winning areas and something happened or whatever. So I knew I was capable of winning. But it's like until you kind of cross that hurdle, you just you don't have it. So it just feels good to have that in my back pocket now. It's like you know I'll forever be a Bass Pro Tour champion, um, and and to beat that crew of guys that that I beat that day just makes it even sweeter. So um, for me, it's just it's mentally now knowing that you can win, um, even if you knew it before. Now you really know it. It, it just helps you as an angler. Um, and, and I think it did help me some this year. Obviously, this year toward the end, I tapered off and you know, barely missed, ended up barely missing Red Crest. So that's not how I went into the end of the year. But I also, in ways, had the, one of the best seasons of my life. I won my first Bass Pro Tour event, caught the biggest bass of my life the very next tournament. So it's hard to be mad. Um, it's just I didn't continue that. It also taught me about the roller coaster of bass fishing. Um, you know, you go up and down and you have – you know, one minute you're on top of the pile, and then the, the next minute you're, at, you know, not initially at the bottom, but you're kind of fighting to be back up the top. And that's that's what's so unique about our sport is where we go to different lakes and, you know, different things are happening. Or It's just, you know, you got you to gotta get back after it the very next event. And, you know, just because you won the, the event before doesn't mean that anything special is going to happen for you the next event. So uh, this sport's tough, and it's humbling. It's it's crazy. I've had talks uh, talks with a lot of guys about that. Is it's like you're always either three or four days away from completely changing your outlook on your entire career. Like you have four days, and you're like, "What the hell am I doing out here? Like this is clearly not working out. I'm getting my teeth kicked in." And then like one little thing, one little thing goes right. You you key in on something, and then you have three days or four days, and you're like. I totally knew it this whole time. This has all been worth it. But you never know when that three or four days comes. For some guys, it's 10 years into their career like you. For some guys, it's 
the first tournament of their career like Derek Remitz. And for a lot of guys, it's in between. And then you look at guys like Swindle, multiple angler of the years, one open win. Like, how the heck does that happen? And then you look at guys who have won and guys who haven't won. It like it it makes no sense to me. It's so weird. That that's why when you see guys that have stayed at the top of the game that have yeah. and there's some of them that have flown under the radar. You know, I, I I've roomed with Greg Benson for a long time, and I had a conversation with him. You know, I I fished the Louisiana tournament that I won. Next tournament I go to Fork. I catch the big bass of the tournament, biggest bass of my life. I think I finished twentieth or in the top twenty or really close to the top twenty. There had a great event. At that point. I feel like Superman. I feel like I'm making the best calls in my career. And then we go to, you know, to taper off all the way toward the end of the year at Malax, where it was a place I felt like I had good history and was going to do well. And every decision I made was bad. And I told Greg, I said, I went from feeling like every decision at the beginning of the year was perfect to in a short time, every decision was wrong. And that is just, um, that's bass fishing as a whole and you have to suffer through and you have to battle through and try to mentally stay confident through those. But at the same time, like I said, there are guys that seem like they never have those times. And those are in my mind are, are really the, what are the greatest fishermen that have ever played this game because to be able to go to the different venues that we go to and consistently day in and day out, just catch bass uh, or catch bass at a top level. We're not just talking about catching bass. Everybody on the bass pro tour on the elite series, they catch bass. We're talking about catching bass better than the rest of those guys. Um, consistency really is the major key to telling who's the best. Did you see a major uptick in social media, sponsor interest, response, emails, engagement with fans following the win, or was there an initial pop and then it slowly trailered off? I know we're in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society when people get ticked off on what I say, BTL three days and then they're on to the next thing they're ticked off about how does a win kind of translate throughout your season or if it does yeah it does i mean there's definitely a huge pop um it was definitely cool to see all the people that were paying attention you know because i got all the texts and the calls from people some that i weren't wasn't expecting uh, it's been great for my sponsors uh one of the things that has been cool for me and and is like getting around fans and they it's like that they remember that it's like man mm-hmm. we saw you win you know and it's uh, that's been one of the more enjoyable things for me is getting to talk about it, you know, relive it through the rest of the year. Um, so I think it's carried on. I mean, it, it obviously tapers off, but um, it definitely never hurts, man. When you win a tournament at this level, it, it is going to be good in some way, shape, form, or fashion. There's a bunch of guys that are right there around your age, and I'm looking at the uh, at the standings, obviously led by uh, Jacob Wheeler and saying what he's doing. But uh, people forget how young Michael Neal is. Uh, Lucas been doing it for a billion years. Jordan Lee been doing it for uh, a billion years. Dustin Connell, the crazy that he's having urine it. It seems to me... Like there's a group, and I, I would put that original group that went there like right when the Elite Series started or the Opens went to it, like like Edwin, Skeet, Kevin, Swindle, Aaron. Those guys are like 50 now, and the, but they all started that next. It seems like you guys came in with more resources to be even more dominant because you have the internet and YouTube and resources, and now it's a viable career when you're younger, like... Is it cool to be around that that group of guys? And, and Polinick is going to be on later. And I just mentioned the guys that were on the, the BPT that you compete against. But 
Uh, do you guys see that nucleus of late 20s, early 30s and realize, man, you've got all of you guys have young families. All of you guys are making big money and all of you guys have, I mean, 20, 30 years ahead of you before you start slowing down. That's got to be cool to be right in the middle of that. Yeah, I mean, and I hope you're right. I, I hope that, you know, I've got a lot of years ahead of me. And, um, but I'll tell you one of the, one of the things about it is, and it's only going to get worse. Uh, like this year, some of the additions we've got coming to the Bass Pro Tour with the new guys, the competition is unreal, man. Yeah, look what Dakota Ebert did this year. Dude, I'm telling you, like, people, I think, I think when you look at the score, you're just like, oh, well, that guy won, so he figured him out, and the rest of the guys didn't figure him out. Listen, there was times this year I caught 60, 70 pounds of bass and did not make the cut. I don't care if you go to Cayuga. I don't care if you go to St. Clair. I don't care where you go in the world. You catch that many pounds of bass and don't make a cut. Man, it's crazy. I'm, uh, the competition is better than it's ever been. And these guys are faster at figuring it out. And you have it like every year I have to get better. Like I was just on the phone with Greg Vincent. I mentioned him earlier on the way home a minute ago. We were both talking about ways that we could get better for next year. Like even some baits that I'm learning new ways to, you know, fish old baits and, uh, things I want to do to them and tie different skirts on them. And, just trying to push the envelope in every area because the deal is if you slip, if you let them have an advantage, if you don't take every opportunity, man, you're going to get run over. And uh, it's kind of cool, but at the same time, man, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost stressful. And once again, just going back to how eclectic the sport is and how unpredictable, you know, you mentioned, I mentioned all those, those guys who are at the top and in the top 10 in the angler of the year, but it's also cool this year to see like a resurgence from Alton Jones who finished third in the angler of the year. Kevin Van Dam, who finished fifth in the Angler of the Year, and Andy Morgan, who finished eleventh in the Angler of the Year. I mean, those are old school guys who are who are doing it, and then still keep it up, and they're all pushing like fifty years old too. It's a cool. It was a cool mix this year. Yeah, it is, and and they're just fish catchers. They've not forgot how to catch them. I mean, that's you know for dang certain. Um, and I remember when Kevin seemed like he was having a couple slow tournaments or a slow season or maybe you missed the classic one year or something and i remember somebody came out with a article that said you know will kevin ever win again and then like he went and won like two events or something and i'm like stop don't poke the bear you know saying like don't don't bring that back up like if he's not winning yeah. just leave him alone uh but these guys are you know obviously they're definitely getting older uh but we've still got to compete with them and then that whole group that you you mentioned earlier too so Bass fishing is got some hammers. These bass are getting caught, that's for sure. All right. You got anything else? I'm going to let you get back on the road. Like I said, I appreciate you pulling over and talking things out. Tenth annual Bradley Roy High School Open on Lake Cumberland this upcoming weekend, which would be October 8th. Yep. Can register through, through Wednesday. Yep. Anything else, Bradley? It's going to be a blast. I appreciate you having me on, man. There's a music queued up here. There it is. All right, drive safe, dude. This has been another edition of BTL with BPT champ Bradley Roy talking to all things high school, collegiate fishing, the state of the industry. That was a good show, man. Like, I wanted to get you on to talk about the high school fishing. Wasn't sure where it was going to go from there. Thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with you. Awesome. Greatly appreciated, Bradley. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. We're out.